I bought these pants because I thought they'd help me. They'd give me a better energy. Are they? You feel very dark today, James. Very unlike you. Maybe that's what's casting a pall on your mood. I just feel so fat. I just feel so fat. In the heat. You'll never, you'll never have known what it's like to feel fat in the heat. I was in Sydney over the weekend. It was just muggy and like, you just sweat. You just leak the whole time. It's so unpleasant. I love Sydney though. I bet you did. But you had a great time. Had a great time. All right. Let's start. Let us begin. Let Let's us begin. Start. Come on. All right. Okay. So we're up to page 45, chapter 2 of the Creed which is I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. Jack, what is the good news for humanity? Are we on? We're good? Yeah, yeah, sweet. Uh, It's the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who died and rose from the dead. In the time of King Herod and Emperor Caesar Augustus, God fulfilled the promises that he made to Abraham and his descendants. He sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Doesn't read as good news in the way that they've described it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is good news, and we're going to get more into why it's good news as we explore who the person of Jesus is. Okay. Yeah. The good news is that we get to... I what? mean, usually in the good news section, it's like, hey, you live forever. Well, the, the good... Well, no. I, so, yeah, great, great point. Okay. So, and why is it referencing like Caesar and why is it referencing Herod when we're talking about Christ? Yeah. So, one of the reasons is because it's historically situated, right? This is not some abstract religion. This is not like, oh, we believe in a creator spirit who, who exists outside of time and space, which we do. The Tao. But God became a man and entered into history. And when did he enter into history? Then and there with Caesar and Herod, all these sorts of things. The other thing is that like the Evangelion, the good news. Um, that was what was like. Um, that was the 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 the, the, cre- the, the decrees that like uh, Augustus issued across the Roman Empire, mm. explaining his like divinity and stuff. That was called the Evangelion. Yeah, it was like it was the good news from Caesar, right? So the Christians are actually doing something quite subversive by yeah. doing this, right? They're got saying, our own good news. We've got our own good news. We've got our own emperor. We've got our own king, and his news is better than yours, right? Like. We're saying something like against the state here. Uh, so I that's then made it up. I did not realize it was snarky. It's snarky. Okay. Yeah. I like it more now that it's yeah. snarky. Yeah. So it's like, oh, like, oh, this is the good news of Herod. This is the good news of Caesar. Like, you all have to pay taxes, etc. Um, and then, like, St. Paul comes along. And he's like, no, I've got some, I've got some pretty good news. Do they it's, have a word for bad news? Probably. I don't know what it is, though. How is the good news spread? It's a new butter that I'm working on. (laughs) From from the very beginning, the first disciple was burned with the desire to proclaim Jesus Christ in order to lead all to faith in him. Even written as a pun on purpose? What do you mean? Burned? Well, Some of them were set on fire? Some of them were set on fire. Mostly it was horrendous crucifixions and eating by lions initially. Sometimes they would throw rocks at them. Yeah. Yeah. The fire came later. Um, even today, from the loving knowledge of Christ, there springs up in the believer the desire to evangelize and catechize, that is to reveal in the person of Christ the entire design of God and to put humanity in communion with him. So it's one of these things where you're like, 
I mean, we all know somebody who's like gone on a, like a keto diet or something, yeah. And they just come up to you and are just like pestering you about it, like you should really try it. You should really tr- you should give up carbs and just eat like fats and stuff like that because like you'll feel great. You'll feel great. This is like good this news. This good thing has happened to me. I'm, I want to share it with you. I want to share it with you because it's going to be good for you, right? Like, or the same thing if you discover like a new TV show or something yeah. like that, right? Like you want to tell people about it. So the thing about Christianity is like, well, if we if we believe the things that we say that we believe, which is like, oh, we've come to know this person who is Jesus Christ, yeah, who's redeemed us, who is God, who has done all these things for us, and we now have the chance for like a whole fulfilled life in eternity with him. I want you to be part of it too, brother. Why wouldn't you not want somebody to be part of and it? And I think if this is being the opposite of like my mum, who is a staunch agnostic, but she has the bad news, which is um, there's nothing... And you're a fucking idiot for believing this. You're gonna die in a hole. Nonsense and rot. Well, she thinks there's a, and you maybe maybe there's more than that, but you can't know. But she'll often say like, I don't want to talk about what I know spiritually with these Christians sure. because I think it's nice that they've got their little thing to hold on to. Sure. And I don't want to destroy them with the weight of my dark revelation. Yeah. Which is uh, doesn't make sense. Well. I mean, it makes sense if if there, if there is a bleak universe and you're the one who's smart enough and strong enough to see it for what it is, and these other poor, weak people need their precious well, that, crutch. Well, that's why you don't like um, someone like Christopher Hitchens, for example. Yeah, you know, he's like one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, or whatever. You know, like yeah, it's gay shit. Um, uh, but uh, you can respect Hitchens as a Christian, I think, because you're like he really doesn't believe this, and he really thinks it's wrong, and so he's going to do everything he can to like. Argue against it, and, and I would thinks, much and he rather his that his position is good. Yes, and I would, he has an optimistic view of the universe. I would much rather sit down with somebody for a beer who's like, "I think your worldview is stupid, and I'm going to tell you why." And it's mm. like, "Oh, good, you believe something, yeah, so you can be convinced." And right? you think that rationally, yeah, we can come to some sort of truth right. and have a discussion. Sitting down but with somebody like who's you like, as a oh, I don't know, as yeah, a retarded well, child, you should have your small little nonsense, and yeah. I'll be up here with the yeah. But also somebody who's just sort of like, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Like somebody who's just like unwilling to and take a position. And I put that on my mum. I've, I've had that view, right? Yeah, sure. I yeah. think we've all had some version of that view. I mean, mm. it's like it's like kitties with Santa Claus. Not that we we do a little bit of Santa Claus. Not like we, we let culture take its hold and we don't take the time to tell our children that there's no Santa. Okay, right? sure. We, d- we don't push this Santa thing to rob them of it. But yeah, that is how a lot of atheists feel about it. Yeah, yeah, it's just Christians Santa Claus. Yeah, is, yeah. Yeah. Here's your big complicated Santa Claus. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably more generous than a lot of people put it. Well, the book's got some grittiness to it, at very least. Yeah. But that we think it's good and we want to share that it's good. Yeah, but again, and you would much rather sit down with somebody who believes in something, right? Like who And who can actually have a discussion with you about it and someone who believes in nothing and doesn't want to take a side and doesn't want to commit to anything because that person can't be convinced because they'd... They don't want to be. They haven't been convinced of anything their entire life. It's a great defense mechanism. It's a great defense mechanism. Yeah. But you never have to do anything. I mean, it's maybe unsatisfying in the long run, but yeah. But like, that's why it's you can't build mush up. You can't break mush. So down. much fun to sit down with somebody who's like, oh, I believe in. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, immediately, a friend of ours springs to mind who was a white nationalist before he was a Christian, right? And like. The first want to slow that down just in case a white nationalist before he was a Christian. Please go on. He's no longer a white nationalist. But it was immense fun sitting down with him initially because it's like he believed something and he believed it very strongly. He believed in the white race 
and securing it a future. But he was like, you know, because he believed in something, he was able to change his mind, right? Whereas if he came down and sat down and was like, I don't know, I don't know about any of this, right? Like, Well, this is why a white nationalist, I think, can be argued with, but there's a certain kind of... There's a certain kind of bigotry where you never sort of get anywhere. Like people who like on a gut level, just on a gut, not, not on like... Somebody who has an ideology or like a, something that's coherent. But right? think, like a communist. You can see that with a communist and have a great discussion. Yeah. But if someone's just like, man, I just hate gypsies. I hate them in my gut. Yeah, sure. I just have a feeling about gypsies. Man, I don't like them. I don't you care can't have them. a talk about that. You no. can't rationalise that because it's not a rational no. proposition. And people can then have fun with it. What is the meaning of the name Jesus? Given by the angel at the time of the Annunciation, the name Jesus means God saves. This name expresses his identity and his mission because he will save his people from their sins. Peter proclaimed, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. I think we should push on to the next bit. Okay, but wasn't it meant to be a manual? Yeah, I think we should push on to the next bit. Yeah. Why is Jesus called Christ? Christ in Greek, Messiah in Hebrew, means the anointed one. Jesus is the Christ. He's consecrated by God and anointed by the Holy Spirit for his redeeming mission. He is the Messiah waited by Israel, sent into the world by the Father. Jesus accepted the title of Messiah, but he made the meaning of the term clear. Come down from heaven, crucified and then risen. He is the suffering servant who gives his life as a ransom for many. From the name Christ comes our name, Christian. So there's a couple of things with, with Christ in particular that I want to talk about, like um, what the word means and why it's important. The anointed one? Yeah. So... There's a there's a like there is a variety of heresies which would sort of think like, um, well, he's not he's not really God. He's like a man, or he accepts a sort of divine mission at his baptism, right? Like the baptism in the Jordan is the because that's where he's sort and of this like, is where he becomes the son in whom I'm exactly right. So he just like ascends to a higher level of being, whatever. And that is absolutely not what we mean, right? We we believe that like yeah, it was a, he was announced by an angel. This is his this is his mission. He is the son of God. He is God himself. Um, and so we give him the term Christ because he's he's the anointed one who was going to suffer and die. Now for anointing us. is to like rub an oil into something. Yes, it is. Yeah. So where's that coming into it? So anointing is a sort of common practice, like like for example, you think of the Greeks. Um, you know, you if rub a lot of oil. You they? rub a lot of oil, right? Like to get if you're about to go into the Olympics, it's yeah. like you oil up, right? Because it's, it's good for your muscles. It's good to be ready. It like makes you agile. Sort of stuff. Nice. Yeah, exactly. So, and the other thing is, it's expensive. Okay. So you don't waste it. You only do it for things that are important. Um, and so you see this within this the story of the Bible, where the woman comes in and pours the oil on Christ's feet and weeps into his feet and stuff like that, and like washes his. She's spending a lot of money doing that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like and she, he's. Like, I mean, he's the anointed Woman, one. you're fine, ointment, brand new and expensive, should have been saved for the poor. You've never seen Jesus Christ? Superstar? I have, yeah. Okay. Great, great. Please great go film. on. Um, but yeah, so that's what he's doing. He's, he's, this is like, we call him Christ because we believe he is the Christ, right? Like, he is the, the Messiah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that would imply that he was anointed at some point. So like, that would be the argument from the baptism, that he's a normal man, yeah. and then... Through baptism, he is anointed. Yeah, I mean, we do anoint during baptism. There's an oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the part of you the anoint during ritual. confirmation. You you anoint kings mm. and queens. You you know, like anointing is a sort of like it's become in the Christian context this sort of like strongly demarcated ritual, right? Like where it's, you do it at specific it's times. It's a sacral element. It's got a sacral element exactly. Or you do it at your death as well. Right. Um. So it's always like, so he's, although he's not anointed really at any point in his life, 
in the Bible that we can see. It's like he's like we call him the anointed one because he's he's sort of set apart for this thing. But now were they looking for someone called the Christ beforehand? So the Jews were looking for the Messiah, right? Okay. Like, and this is like a very loaded political thing. Uh, in Israel in the first century, like they're looking for sort of a political Messiah Do who's going to liberate Christ them. and Messiah mean the anointed one? Well, we say Christ because that's in, in Greek. Yeah. That means the anointed one. And, but, but we conflate it with Messiah. And basically. Messiah means just like big, the, the saviour? The the, yeah, the promised one, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, and he's both of those things. He's all of those things. There's not heaps of Messiah talk in the Old Testament. There's not. Yeah. Because it, it, it becomes like a politically... Uh, it's like a folk thing, folk not a folk thing, thing, but like I mean, there there is. It's in there. But it's it, in there. You also do have to sort of look for it. But it, it, it's like because the the Jews have been way more stuff on what not to eat, right? But the Jews have been like conquered and conquered and conquered and conquered and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Like Babylonians, the Assyrians, all this sort of stuff, and then finally, and it's the Greeks, and then finally it's the Romans, and you know, there's a sort of humiliation that comes to the Romans um, because, like. Like when Pompey conquers um, Judea, he, he wrecks like, the temple. No, he doesn't wreck the temple. He Goes walks into the temple. Walks into says, the temple. He walks into the Holy of Holies. He's like, "This is bullshit." You know, like yeah. there's nothing here. Um, so there is a sort of like, and they also prosper, like are, are profitable under the Romans, which is kind of embarrassing. So that they want this like political thing, and you can see that in like people are expecting him to do political things, right? And he's trying to say to them, "No, that's not what I'm here to do." Right? Like my kingdom is not of this world. I don't care about your Roman stuff. Basically, like, we're not here to throw them over. Who's on the coin? Yes. Render it's up Caesar. Caesar. Yeah. Give, well, that's Caesar's then, right? Like, who cares? But the, they're... I mean, why do the Jews think that ever would change? I mean, the Jewish tradition is full of nothing but suffering and exile. Well, no, because the Jews are given a king, right? They're given, they're given political autonomy by God. Yes. Um, and, it's, and it's like... And the, this is sort of granted to them as a... Like God's sort of like because of the hardest of your heart, like you should just accept me as your king, mm. but you can't do it, so I'll give you a king, right? So there is a kingship element in this sort of like political imagination of the Jews. But is the Messiah the king? Is David a Messiah? No, but he's like descendant of David, right? Because the other thing is like, well, it's the from right. this from this we line. We have a royal family, exactly. Yeah, the king in the north. Yeah. Will so Christ is going to do all these things, right? Okay. Like, so he's a so we talk about it as as a priest, a prophet, and a king, right? So he has that kingship from David, and so he's and he's the, the king of the universe. He's Christ the king, all this sort of stuff. He's a he's a prophet like the prophets were because he's coming to to draw people back to God. Yes, and he's the high priest because he offers this the most himself. like powerful sacrifice. He himself as sacrifice, exactly. Yeah, which means all the other sacrifices are now redundant. And we're saying. That the heresy is that he becomes those things. Well, yeah, like there is a. I started with this, where it's like, yeah, that there's a specific heresy which would say, oh, maybe he he only becomes the Christ or only becomes the Messiah because he accepts the mission given to him. Like at Mary the accepts her mission. Like the angel yeah. says to her, "Do you want to do this?" Yeah, and well, she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, do it unto me." Yeah, and, but that's not the case with no. Christ. No, because he is God, right? Well, like, when he's it's saying, not like he becomes am, God then. Yeah. He is God. I am seems like a pretty strong refutation yeah. of there having been a... Yeah, but, you know, the, there is, like, the other thing is, like, all the all the early heresies are reading the Bible yeah. and justifying their heresy by biblical arguments. Okay. Which is, again, going back to, like, one of the first sessions we did, which is why, like, you can't have the Bible alone because this has to be resolved some other way because there are, you know, there are legitimate... If you, if you only have the Bible... 
you'll have you can make interpretive judgments on it and yeah. say yeah well it seems like Christ was this or Christ was that um, can I make a point about a book I read this week yeah. called Tender is the Night sure have I told you this you've told Anakin? me so much about this book but I don't know if this alright well I, I read it was a couple of weeks ago I read Tender is the Night and mm-hmm. then I gave it to my neighbour Mads yeah she told she me she read Tender is the yeah, Night yeah yeah and I had a, the ending of Tender is the Night and just skip ahead one minute I'll try and keep it to one minute okay. if you don't want to hear how tender is the night ends. Yeah. Is he, uh, his wife leaves him. He doesn't see his kids anymore. And he's riding around New England on a bicycle. Right. And he was like the great mind of his generation. And now he's in small towns doing like small town medicine. Right. Very obscure, not seeing anybody, not having any money, riding around on his bicycle in New England. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, all right, he's on his bicycle. Because yeah. I just had this big America fixation. Yeah, yeah, I started riding my bike again. And I thought like, fuck, that's sick that Dick Diver gets to just ride around on his bike. <laughs> doesn't doesn't have to deal with his kids going through puberty. Doesn't have to deal with his nasty <laughs> wife and her family. He's just a free man running around his bicycle. He probably wasn't even a great rider anyway. So he doesn't have to live up to the weight. Expectation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No one reads it that way. <laughs> Zero other people. Not the introduction, not Mads. I talked to my dad and dad's like, oh, that ending. That's that sad. poor it's man. Ending. Yeah. It's like, why? He's on his bicycle <laughs> in upstate New York. That sounds great. Do you know what I would give right now to just be like wanking about in upstate New York and on a bicycle? And how is that related to things we're talking about? Genius? He's just getting drunk. Yeah. Well, it's just like you have the book and you have so many ways that can be read. Yeah. Just with what you personally right. bring to it. Okay, sure. But, yeah. you know, by having a tradition like this is what F. Scott Fitzgerald thought Man. at the time. Yeah, yeah. People spoke to him. Yeah. This is the reviews. This is the reviews he contradicted at the time. Yeah. This is where the, you know, the. There's a received tradition of, yeah. You've yeah. probably missed a bunch of stuff because yeah. you read like a couple hundred pages when you were sleepy because sure. you had a baby waking you up. You didn't pick up on some of the subtext. It would yeah. be very important <laughs> later on. If you're just arguing f- from X, X text, sure. I mean, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want. Your yeah. personal desires yeah. are huge in the way that you can interpret. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. The thought that things are just obvious. Is so, wh- why do you, like, why would you not want to believe that Christ was God, for example? And we're going to get to this fairly shortly. What actually have you got to grind? What have you? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, and I think we should crack on because all right. it's all coming up. In what sense is Jesus the only begotten Son of God? Jesus is the Son of God in a unique and perfect way. At the time of his baptism and his transfiguration, the voice of the Father designated Jesus as his beloved Son. In presenting himself as the Son who knows the Father, Jesus affirmed his singular and eternal relationship with God, his Father. He is the only begotten Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He is the central figure of apostolic preaching. The apostles saw his glory as the only begotten Son of the Father. So there's a couple of things there. So like we like the two sort of like uh, we talk about theophanies, right? Like this is like God revealing himself completely. Uh, and this happens at the baptism in the Jordan. Mm-hmm. So Christ goes in, into the Jordan. He's baptized by John and he comes up and there's a dove and there's the voice of the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. Yeah. Exactly. And then you have the same thing at the transfiguration just before his crucifixion. He takes the, uh, like his, his crew, uh, Peter, James and John up the mountain um, and he's transfigured, and they see him speaking with Moses and Elijah. And then there's the cloud, the Shekinah, which is the Spirit of God. And then there's the voice, like, this is my son, listen to him. And it's like, okay, in both these pr- things, the whole Trinity is present. Like, like quite strongly present you're in a way. In the presence that, of God. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're, str- like, and, and Christ is, like, transfigured. He's not, you can see his glorified body. Like, his divinity is, like, now shining through his humanity. And it's like. This is very elves in Tolkien. Yeah, exactly. Well, where does Tolkien get it from? Not in the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you see that in the movie ever? Legolas just like cruising around. You yeah. Know? yeah. But really they're beings of light that yeah. are trapped in the flesh. Yeah. Well. The, sorry. Yeah. That are represented in the flesh dimension. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, but So there's these things where it's like, and these things where Christ is, is so clearly like associated with the Trinity in this particular way. So that's why we say he's the only begotten son of God. Of course he says, like, I'm the son of man. You know, like he's sort of using all this language all the time. I mean, son of man implies the opposite. In English, mm. son of man makes it sound like I'm Joseph's kid. Yeah, I mean, it's not really what he meant when he said it, but yeah. What does it mean? Well, like he is... Do we get to that? I, I think we can do it now. Like okay. he, 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 you know... Is it a callback to something? Yes, it is a callback to something. And uh, I think it's Daniel. There's a prophecy about the son of man who will come on the clouds in judgment all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Right? And but what does it mean, the son of man? So he's associating himself with this sort of apocalyptic vision of the end of the world. Um, right. And so th- that's what Daniel says when he's like, has this vision of like the apocalypse basically. And he says that the son of man will come in, in judgment and thunder and all sorts of shit. It's not the son of a man. No. It's the son of man. And it's like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, yeah. Christ is kind of summing up all of humanity, this person, when he offers himself on the cross, right? Like He's our son? Well, no, he's he's he is man. Like he's the son of Adam, right? Like as we are all sons of Adam, right? But, but only through him can we win salvation. Yeah, but I'm the son of Adam. I think this is becoming. All right. Well, at some point, I'd like to do a big breakdown on some of these terms. Okay, we, we can do all the titles. We can do that, time. but I think it's important to get through so got the person. So that's prospect. the sense in which he's the only begotten son of God, and yep. I'm happy with that. That yeah, I mean, begotten means born, right? Begotten. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, conceived. Yeah, I mean, we again we use this language as a analogically because to God, to, he he bears the genetic code of God. We definitely wouldn't Ooh, say that, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah. Well, whose genetic code th- does he have? Mary's. He's one hundred percent Mary. Well, the, um, so Fulton Sheen talks about this in a in a book he wrote called the um, the world's first love about Mary. And he's and he's talking about how far have we? How long has this been? Twenty five. Yeah. All right, come on. So he's talking about like, okay, so who's yeah? What's the bio, biological makeup of Christ? Yeah. Um, he's getting basically his entire biological makeup from Mary, right? So and in a sense, so then when we're talking about like, okay, what? So he's an egg fertilizing itself? No, because the Holy Spirit is is involved, right? Right, but the, but like I'm, he has a he has a bio like a. Well, we don't know, right? This is the thing. We don't know. But our argument is that he bears... Hey, well, can I finish okay. my point? Right, okay, can I finish okay, my point? Okay. If you start asking okay, more okay, more questions. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, Mary has this uh, a prophecy given to her when she's getting Christ um, circumcised in the temple that she's like like a woman of sorrow, right? And, and swords will pierce her heart and all that sort of stuff. And you see this in, like, the crucifixion because obviously she's there and she's one of the few people who is there till the end. And it's like... The, the the fucking more just sheer horror. She watches her son die slowly exactly. before us. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it's also like whose blood is is dripping down the wood of the cross, right? Like she's so associated with this act because it's almost entirely hers, right? Like she, like it's her genetic material there in a way that's probably unique in the history of humankind. Like, which what, is very cool. It's a very twin, cool way of thinking twins, about it. Twins. I mean, yeah, Fulton Sheen doesn't go that far, and I don't think we should go that far. But, yeah, like, that. that's... That, I think that's pointing to, like, how important Mary is in the whole plan of salvation. 
but that's also that's also based on a speculation about this. this. is title speculation. Yeah, I yeah mean, of course. Why couldn't yeah, there yeah. have been a, um, a you know, a, some sort of uh, immaculate uh, seed? Right. So we well, okay. Essentially, we don't know how it happens. Right. Yeah. In, on the biological level, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Right. Like God has entered into history and He's done something. But we do not believe that He's ha- half God, half man. He's not a demigod, which is the usual way that right. a god and... And again, I don't want to be a prick about it, but it's like we're getting to it so soon, you know? Like, it's just, this is like just... What is the meaning of the title Lord? Yeah. In the Bible, this title regularly des- designates God as sovereign. Jesus ascribed this title to himself and revealed his divine sovereignty by his power over nature, over demons, over sin, over death, and above all, by his own resurrection. The first Christian creeds proclaimed that the power, the honor, the glory that are due to God the Father also belong to Jesus. God has given him the name which is above every other name. He is the Lord of the world and of history, the only one to whom we must completely submit our personal freedom. So, again, if you read Genesis, it's like 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 straight up. If you read like the first book of Genesis, it's like the Lord God, right? Mm. And this is a common motif in the Old Testament. Yeah. It's not just God, it's the Lord God because Lord, he's like the Lord of all. And again, we like we give that title to Christ, right? Because he is part of the Trinity, right? He is part of the Godhead. Yes. Yeah. And he reveals that through like a variety of things, right? Like, and it's okay. He's got power over nature. He calms the storm. He heals the sick. All this sort of stuff. He's got power over sin because he says, "Well, it's easy to say I forgive sins, but like, if you want." proof like get up and walk and the guy gets up and walks but people like my lord in a medieval context yep. right for the yeah. like duke like the guy sure. who's yeah, watching yeah. over them yep. is that what that means at yeah the time? basically yeah, are, yeah are we getting it from there or is there an earlier type like a feudal understanding of lord well the feudalism comes after this right but who's yeah. calling who lord before out of a, outside of a religious context beforehand is there yeah a i mean again secular it, use of lord uh, probably i mean so there's a there's a psalm which is um which Christ quotes himself in order to like point to himself. And it, the psalm is like, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right, you know? And it's like, and so the Jews are sort of confused by this psalm. The Lord said to my Lord. The Lord said to the Lord, sit on my right hand. Right. Right. And the Jews are sort of like, this doesn't make any sense, all this sort of stuff. And Christ quotes this psalm to say like, check that out. We're having a conversation. That's me. Yeah. Right. Like I'm like, well, how can there be a division in Lordship? Well, I am the second person of the Trinity. Um, like I am God, and so that's how we can have the psalm, and that's how we can have the Trinity. All right, I'm looking that psalm up. The Lord said to the Lord. The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right. I can't remember something right. like that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's such that's, a, that's also like an uncomfortable. Completely submit our personal freedom does sound like some bizarro cult stuff. Now, obviously, it doesn't quite mean. Same thing as it would in a bizarro cult context, but I, yeah. can, I can imagine the head of Scientology saying, "Oh yeah, you must um, completely submit your personal freedom." Like yeah. it sounds right, but we say to Christ, we don't say to the Pope, to the bishops, right. to a priest, to any living man, right? Because the other thing is like, Christ is so far above all these things. Yes, that like, and you know, like this apparatus of the church that's left behind by Christ is there in order to point us to that relationship where we can do this thing, where we can, like, give our freedom to God. And, yeah, Pope Benedict said in, like, one of his first... I think it was his first um, uh, uh, homilies, the Pope. 
And he said, you know, like there's, there's this temptation to think like if I give my freedom to God, he'll take everything away from me. Yes. But it's only in giving him everything that we realise that that's what we receive. Well, I mean, and another way to, just to make it shallow, yeah. and materialistic, and it, yeah. by saying he is the only one to whom we must completely submit our personal freedom. Yeah. yeah you, you, you alluded to this before. Yeah. You don't have to completely submit your personal freedom. And indeed, you must not submit your personal freedom completely yeah. to anybody else. No. To anybody, you, no, because you you're making that, them God. You don't know that to your wife, you don't know that to your husband, your not father, your yeah, mother. Exactly. So by saying you have the, to, to God, to the, you know, to the Greeks, the concept above... Mm. To the good or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right, to, yeah. The, to the abstract concept of yeah. good yeah. and also into the man, uh, Jesus Christ, yeah. him that, who's incarnated that yeah. ideal. Uh, this is all... I'm not a theologian. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Um, you don't know that to anybody else. No. Yeah. So like like in and in like religious life or something, like if you become a nun or a brother, mm. um, you're sort of like you're giving you're giving this thing in a kind of way to your community and to your superiors. But again, that's like a radical living out of this idea, right? Where it's like I'm going to trust this person of Christ so much yeah. that I'm gonna see him He's in my superior. Yeah, yeah. Him. And that might mean like I get treated terribly and all sorts of stuff, but like that's because like well, Christ wants me to enter more deeply into a more profound relationship with Him, where I give my freedom. This person is a mechanism to some extent yeah. for me to understand. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And marriage is a similar thing, where it's like, but it's not like you can't give yourself, like if you're a woman, you can't give yourself to your husband and say like I surrender my whole personal freedom at all, right? Like you have to sort of give a certain in a certain way that, but there's a point at which you have to sort of go. Well, I mean, it's like women be submissive to husbands. Yeah, yeah. But that this is there are ways in which submissiveness. Yeah. Are, um, My husband's a drunk. He's shooting up heroin. I was he's killing people. I was thinking about like when the husband says to the wife, "Honey, you've had enough to drink." <laughs> <laughs> James's <laughs> wife is lovely, and she never has too much to drink. Not anymore. Always James. Not anymore, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christ was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and was and born of the Virgin Mary. Conceived yeah. by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not conceived by the Holy Spirit. Conceived by its power. Right, because he's not... The Holy Spirit is not, a, like, having sex with Mary, right? It's not like the Holy Spirit has sex with Mary and then she conceives Christ. She conceives Christ miraculously by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. So she's not like this is the whole thing, like, oh, Mary was raped or something. Like, disgusting. Because, like, that's obviously not what we're saying. Like no. There's, there's no swan coming in and, like, having sex with a woman and that's like... As oh, so think, often is the case in pagan yeah, yeah. circumstances. No, this is, like, this is, like, the divine breaking through into history. Without breaking through a hymen. I don't like talking about Our Lady like that. There are... There is a lot of conversation that can be... We had. can have that later when we're talking about Mary's potential virginity. Yeah, people. I'm not talking about it now. All right. Well, if we have to... I I'll respect your devotion to Our Lady. I will talk about it when we get to that, but pff, I don't want to. But let's go. Keep going. Because there are some people who will, oh, who will do nothing but talk about the physical dimension of the perpetual virginity of Mary. <laughs> Where are we up to? 85. Why did the Son of God become man? For us men, for our salvation, the Son of God became incarnate in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. He did so to reconcile our sinners with God, to have us to learn of God's infinite love, to be our model of holiness, and to make us partakers of the divine nature. I think we just punch on to the next one. Okay. What does the word incarnation mean? 
The church calls the mystery of the wonderful union of the divine and human natures in the one divine person of the word, the incarnation. To bring about our salvation, the Son of God was made flesh and became truly man. Faith in the incarnation is a distinctive sign of the Christian faith. And again, yeah, let's I, keep going because I think the last, I think we did this last one. Yeah. In what way is Jesus Christ true God and true man? Jesus is inseparably true God and true man in the unity of his divine person. As the Son of God, who was begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, he was made true man, our brother, without ceasing to be God, our Lord. Maybe we do this last question. Yeah, because I fucking love getting into the Ethiopian stuff. Yeah. What does the Council of Chalcedon in the year 451, were there other councils of Chalcedon? No, but it's important. Yeah. Okay. What does it teach in this regard? The Council of Chalcedon teaches us to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, perfect in his humanity, true God and true man, composed of rational soul and body, consubstantial with the Father by his divinity, and consubstantial with us by his humanity, like us in all things but sin, begotten from the Father before all ages, as to his divinity, and in these last days, for us and for our salvation, born of Mary the Virgin, the Mother of God, as to his humanity. Now, not everybody agrees. No. This is the first split, right? We managed to yeah. hold it together for almost 500 years. Basic. Well, the Oriental Orthodox say, nah, I'm out. Well, sort of. So there's well, a couple. they say, you're out. We're keeping going with the one true way of doing it. So the incarnation means to be like in flesh, right? Like that's sort of what, what the word means. So we're saying like God is in flesh. God takes on flesh. Yeah. Um, so like that's the first thing. And it's like this is a distinctive sign of the Christian faith. It's not that like there's this person of Jesus and God's over here and they're separate things. We're saying... God has a body. God has a body, yeah. right? God has taken on a human form. And it's like, okay, well, that's something weird. Uh, As, now, but So Zeus taking on the form of... I mean, Zeus presumably has a body, right? Because he's raping with something. He takes on a swan or a bull or something like that, right? right? But, so, but he, at that point, that swan is Zeus. It's different, though, because it's sort of like, yeah, I mean... What a god is is different. Yes, absolutely. But it's yeah. the divine taking a shape. Right, but it's not it's not that he takes a shape, it's that he takes this specific shape. Our shape. He becomes a man. And so then the first thing, right, like so it's not just like Chalcedon's 451. The first split really is Arianism. Mm -hmm. So Arianism is, um, so Arius had this slogan, which was, and so this is like the, the fourth century. He says there was a time when the sun was not, right? Like, so he's saying... God creates the Son, like God the Father creates the Son. Right. And then the Son is the one who becomes incarnate. So he's like happy to admit the incarnation in a certain sense. But what is comes to the fore during the debates on this is basically that like, well, he's not admitting to the incarnation because he doesn't believe that Christ is God, right? He believes that Christ is a demigod. And if Christ is a demigod, he's not of one of the same substance of the Father, then his suffering on the cross cannot be salvific. Because God is not doing it for us. It's just another man. Well, it's a man with very special properties. Yeah. Who maybe shares in He's God, a good man. He's a great but man. But it's not the entirety of God. So when, we, when God dies on the cross, I mean, God the Father is still in heaven at that time. No? Mm -hmm. So, But we, there's nothing that one does that the others aren't doing. Yeah. With them. Yes. So that, I mean, but also God God only dies in that he's separated the... the Right, but so, okay. Like, but we're Fleshy God is separated from spiritual second person. So there are two things happening, right? Okay. So there are, 
I think the sort of two distinctive mysteries about Christianity, apart from the Trinity, is the incarnation and the crucifixion. And the incarnation is actually just as important in a lot of ways. The fact that God becomes a man yeah. is like not insignificant at all. The Orthodox are much bigger on this. In well, they're not. Pictures. Well, I mean, the other thing is chat. like, but like, what's the what's the what are the things where you? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to I go to church on Christmas and Easter. Why Christmas? Yes. The incarnation. It's the incarnation. Because the incarnation, like we all know, it's a distinctive feature of Christianity. It's almost a yeah. That's the pro life in. That's the pro choice incarnation date. Should be the annunciation. So what's yeah? Well, exactly. And yeah. what what feast is nine months before Christmas? Exactly, twenty fifth of March, the Annunciation. I think it's my daughter's birthday, but I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's an Annunciation. I, it was the Annunciation. Maybe. I'm yeah. quite sure. Is that always on the twenty fifth of March? Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's easier for me to remember. I didn't realize it was twenty five and twenty five. Yeah, exactly nine months. Exactly yeah. nine months. Funny, and it's great because Lent often falls on the Annunciation, but you got a feast day on your birthday, so you can eat meat. Well, your daughter always gets a feast day on her birthday. Yeah, that's yes. Great. So. The making flesh. So why is it? I mean, it doesn't save us, though, that God has made flesh. No, exactly. But it's still like because it's all part of one piece is the other thing. But like we, we, yes, I think there's a, there a tendency in the West to forget the importance of the incarnation. I think, and it's like the incarnation is huge, right? It's the, God becomes a man. He he suffers and dies for us, which is also huge. But mm. like that, he becomes a man. So it's like this, like, and you get this devotional stuff in the West of like. Oh, like Christ becomes a like a vulnerable child. He becomes a vulnerable baby. You got a new baby, yeah, right? Like they are weak. God has shared His glory to become like that, right? Like where it's like He can't eat, He can't shit, He can't like do anything. Oh, they don't have too much trouble shitting. They can't well, clean themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Well, I mean. Like that's amazing. I I, I was so I yeah, thought it was it so gets, beautiful that we had a new baby older. at Christmas. Yeah, right? and it's like, great to hear the, them crying, and it makes me. It's especially great in crying when you get to the, um, you know, you think of the murder of the innocents and it all. <laughs> it adds context. So so the church calls I, them. The, this the, is not as obvious a thing until you get older. It's like trying to read Proust. Sure. You know, which is a book about memory. Yeah. Before you've had the time to forget anything, <laughs> but it's like until you've got a bit of status. It doesn't really make sense how painful it is to step down sure. into something else. Yeah, I mean, just to humiliate yourself, like purely a yeah. selfish comedy, personal argue, like very hard to go to a new country or a new city after you've been cock of the walk somewhere else, and just like no one knows. I mean, you, I turn up in Adelaide, yeah, and I'm the man, yeah, and everyone's like, just, I do it. I just turn up in any room. Yeah. Go, give me, I want to get up. Yeah, and they go, yeah, they go, yeah. Oh, it'd be an honor, a privilege. You're the single greatest human being. <laughs> Who does comedy who hasn't left this town? She's <laughs> a very... There's not a lot of people who don't leave. <laughs> That's a very important part of it. And there are other people who are probably more respected than me. I'm not, I've got a family, whatever. But then to, to have just the power and the respect and the privilege yeah. and then to show up in like... Even Brisbane. Like the first time I went to Brisbane, it was like... Uh, like you feel weak and small and you, you feel... Like you're not known, mm. the pain of not being, the pain of having a reputation that represents you in a very positive light, and then having that stripped away from you, yeah, hurts. So the first chapter of John's, like John John's gospel, starts with, you know, and the word is made flesh. Like in the beginning, there was the word, and the word is made God, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it says, and he comes to his people, and they did not know him. Mm. Right, like they don't know the light when it's shining amongst them. And it, 
And then, like, Christ is, like, in Nazareth. He goes back to Nazareth, and they're like, who's this guy? He's but the son of Joseph. Right? Like, who, this guy. And painful yeah. for Christ. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. Like, he wants them to know him. Mm-hmm. And he's... He, I mean, look, I'm just... I've never, he's I doing this all before, this stuff. But he's frequently frustrated. Don't you know me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haven't I told you who I am? Have you seen the things that I've done, man? Yeah. That guy came back from the dead. I gotta kill that guy with leprosy. Yeah. This is my name. <laughs> This, uh, he does seem to be like, it's hard to read the gospel without reading. It's like, is he angry? <laughs> he seems angry. How is he meant to be saying this? Oh, you still don't know who well, I am? you will. I have a special... No, I imagine it was, it yeah, was the, the, uh, mortification. You, you get a sense of frustration, I think, in the gospels for sure, right? Yeah. There are times where Christ is like, oh, like, like, so the centurion, he comes to him and he says like, oh... Like, can you come and heal my, my son or my daughter or whatever? And Christ says, um, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And the centurion says, like, you know, he, this is a man who's not a Jew, but he comes to Christ anyway. Mm. And he says, oh, but, like, you don't need to come. I'm a man under orders. And I know if my boss says to do something, like, those people go and do it. So you don't have to come to my home. He recognises him as the boss man. Right. Yeah. And Christ says, oh, if I'd only found faith like you in Israel, like, this whole thing would be different. It's just like this, where he's just like, "Oh, are you kidding me? Like this guy? <laughs> this guy's a he, this guy's about to put me on a cross." Like, <laughs> all right. So, what does the word incarnation mean? The church calls the mystery of the wonderful union of the divine and human natures in the one divine person. The word, the incarnation. Uh, to bring about our salvation, the Son of God was made flesh and became truly man. So he's 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 a real human being. Um, he is God, and he's a real human. being. In what ways is Christ true God and true man? Jesus is inseparably true God and true man yeah. in the unity of his divine person. So the way to think about it is he's not like 50% God and 50% man. He's 100% God and 100% man. So at Chalcedon, the Oriental Orthodox... So Chalcedon comes after um, Nicaea. So Nicaea is the big one with the Arians, and that's where it's like, yeah. oh, maybe Christ isn't God, right? Maybe he's a demigod. But so then they're like... We agree. Everyone moves forward and says Arians... And so Arians are out. We'll be killing a lot of you. We're moving forward. Well, the Aryans continue to persist for a long yeah. time. Right? It's going to take some time. Yeah. But you're on the out. Yeah. We're moving forward. 451. Yeah. 451. Chasen. So, Chasen. Ethiopians say. So, hang on a second. Let me, let me talk about Chasen because right. it's so exciting. All so right. great. You say, I, I, I don't know the story about it. I just know the thing about the hypostatic union. So, you know where it comes from, though? It's like some Christians refer to Mary as the mother of God. Yeah. And some Christians said, you can't call her the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus. Mother of the man part of him, but exactly. not the God part of him. Exactly. Yeah. So then they're like, oh, okay, well, we don't agree on this. We better get together and discuss it. So they all get together and they say, no. So this is a Marian issue that because sparks it. And a, and a principle says, that yeah. is established here in theology is what we say about Mary, we say about Christ. So if we're going to say Mary's the mother of Jesus, yeah, the man, but not God, we're actually saying something about Christ, which is that he's not God. We're saying something about the person of Jesus, which is not like there we're is some division. That, we're in saying him. that on his two natures. Yeah, there is some something separate, something divided. So if if God is not, ah, if she's not the mother of fair, God, be fair to the Oriental Orthodox. They don't believe in divided. They think we have the divided point of view. They think he has an a unique admixture nature. So they have what's called monophysitism or something like that. It's a great... I've, so, I've so, read yeah. the Wikipedia page many times. So Never know how to say it. So it's not like 50% God or 50% man. They don't believe he's 100% God or 100% man. They say he's some... He's 100% both of them. No, no, that's what we believe. No, no, they're saying we believe he has two natures and he's truly those two natures. We're saying he's 
We're almost saying he's 200%. No, no, no. So we say that there's the person of Christ, the person of Jesus. We the person. fully for that reason. Jesus is well. the person. We say okay. he's fully God. So he's 100% truly God. Yeah. Truly God. He's truly man. Yeah. 100% man. All that sort of stuff. The Oriental Orthodox, the, the Coptics, basically, they go, no, he's not. Right? Like, and the, I think they're erring on the side of, from memory, they're erring on the side of like, oh, it would be wrong for God to be like, sullied by this right so he's more god than he is man but then it's also like but then he can't take on all of human nature and suffer for us right so he has to have both and that's what they say chasen they say one the same son our lord jesus christ perfect in his humanity true god and true man composed of rational soul and body yeah so he has like all the things that humanity has yes but he's consubstantial with the father by his divinity and he's also consubstantial with us by his humanity, right? So he's he's not like less human than we are. He's the same as us, yeah. But he's the same as God. And no, not but and and yeah, yeah. Like us in all things, but sin, begotten from the Father before all ages, as to his divinity, and in these last days. So like you know, at the end of time, which is what what we're in. Yes. For us and for our salvation, born of Mary, the Virgin, and the Mother of God, as to his humanity. So they're like making a massive statement. They're like, we can say Mary's the mother of God because we can say that Jesus is God. But Jesus has a mother. So he's a man as well. But we believe, so we believe he has two natures, two inseparable natures. We're going to get to the no, natures. But yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the natures is what the argument is yeah, about. Yeah. So, but it's that whenever they do it with a picture, yeah. right? He has two natures, but one person. It'll be like, yeah. here's the person, is yeah. the outline. Yeah. And like half of it, yeah, is, you do the face thing. Right? It's yeah. this and it's this. That's the, that's what we have. Yeah. We have is all of that. It's yeah. true that. And it's true that yeah. is the big person that contains yeah. the 200%. Yeah. We don't want to do percent, but the truth of both of them. Yeah. Whereas the picture they use for the Coptics is like a swirly one of like, it's a... It's yeah, because he's mixed in. Nature. He's mixed in. It's yeah. an admix. It's like, yeah. it's a God-man nature right it's, but a, it's a third kind of but nature what the church fathers are saying here yeah. is that like that that does say something then about what christ can do for us right which is that like if he's not fully like us then he can't take on all of human sin on the cross mm. and he can't redeem it i mean is it's also because he's not a son of adam that we're made in god's image and so we are meant to be like God, we are meant right. To so, like, so when we say like we're, we're baptized into the death and resurrection of Christ, so we when we're baptized, we become a member of Christ's body via His humanity, right? So that's how we're brought into the life of the Trinity. Yes, the, the humanity is the instrument, the hundred percent humanity to bring that us Jesus into His divinity is how He's reaching in, grabbing us by the throat, and pulling us into Himself, right? And that's why we depict Christ as like lifting up Adam and Eve from hell, from, the, you know. It's a lot of, hello. All that sort of stuff. Hello. Yeah, because yeah, he's like Adam. He's like Eve. He's a yeah. man. But he can only pull us up because he's it's like, my oh. heart. Yeah. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> so the other thing is like Ratzinger has a good line. Okay. Uh, so he, there was a sort of trend in theology in the 20th century to sort of like abstract God quite a bit, right? Like in the early 20th century where it's like, it, this sort of like I do this drive home a school, right? Yeah. yeah. Like God is the true good. He's the tr- he's the truth. He's true beauty. Right, because then you don't have to do the embarrassing thing of talking about the man Jesus. You get to do the fun academic thing of being like Plato. Exactly. So Ratzinger is reputed to have sort of stood up in this lecture and started to walk out. And the lecture sort of says, like, where are you going? 
and he says like, well, like, you know, the abstract goodness yeah. does not need a mother. That's nice. Yeah. But, but God does need a mother to, to do what he has to do. Now, there's, also, there's God the Father. Mm-hmm. Is, is Mary the mother of God the Father? She's the mother of Jesus the person. And again, it's a great question. It is a great question. I'm not trying to obfuscate. Yeah. But I think, again, something we need to discuss She's the mother more. of Jesus the person. Yeah. Who is God. So, like, the, 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 there's and there are other persons of God. But she's the, she's the mother of the second person of the Trinity. So, the next things we're going to do... As Christ. ...are, like, yep. explore more deeply the, the nature of Christ. And then we're going to talk about Mary. Do you know what we're definitely going to do before then? Yeah, have a break. It's been great having you here on this episode of the Catacast. We'll see you soon. Ciao.